believers who had been persecuted intensely. Uh, most of them, if not all, were very, were, well, I'm sure they all were very new believers, new in the faith, first generation Christians, we might call them. And they had committed themselves to be disciples of Jesus Christ, and they paid a heavy price. They were run out of their homes. Many of them lost family, lost jobs. Uh, some of them were physically beaten severely, and they fled out to outlying regions outside of, of Israel. And he's writing to encourage them in 1 Peter. Now he's in 2 Peter. The persecution has died down. And uh, I get the impression studying this, and I can't document this, but my impression is, is that they are now kind of settled down and they're regrouping. They're getting back, organizing churches there where they've been run out to and kind of gravitating together like uh, magnetic, drawing them back together wherever they've been run to. And he's writing to them in 2 Peter because they're facing two new dangers. The danger in 2 Peter is not the danger they were facing in 1 Peter. In 1 Peter, the danger was external. It was persecution from the religious, Jewish religious leaders. It was persecution from the Roman government. It was persecution from uh, their pagan neighbors. And, and, uh, and uh, that was the danger facing them initially when they were run out of the area. That has died down, apparently, is my impression. Now this new danger is not an external danger, it's an internal danger. And we mentioned this in previous message in 2 Peter here, but... I believe, I see an internal danger as far more dangerous than an external threat. It gets inside. That's where it becomes serious. And he's addressing two dangers. One is becoming indifferent to their spiritual growth. In other words, they've paid a price, they've gone through this persecution, they've settled down, and there's a real tendency... After we've been through it, the novelty's worn and been knocked off by the persecution. And the, and the tendency on God's people is, once I've been through all that, is just kind of settle down and become uh, a little indifferent. You follow what I'm saying? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've been through the battle, you've been through it, and you just want to sit and rest. I tell you, that can be very, very dangerous if we do not stay committed to our spiritual development, our spiritual growth. We have got to stay at it, stay at it, stay at it. Um, then the other was the infiltration of false doctrine. He's going to pick that up in chapter 2. and He's going to get into it pretty hot and heavy. There was false teaching creeping into the church. Um, and so that was uh, something they had to deal with. So his, his answer to them, particularly in chapter 1, I'm kind of summarizing the whole chapter here, but the first... 16 verses, he's urging them to make a commitment to the continued spiritual development. Add to your faith virtue and knowledge, and we've been talking about that list of things. And he's urging them, saying, listen, don't just, I guess this is what he's saying, don't just become comfortable where you're at spiritually. That's a dangerous thing. I want to press on. I need to grow. Uh, I need to add to my faith virtue. I need to add to my virtue knowledge. I need to add. I need to press this, press this, press this. And so he's urging them to make that commitment. I believe there needs to be a commitment made. Spiritual growth is not just going to happen. I've got to apply myself. And notice there in verse number 5, he says, 
besides all this, giving all what? Are you with me? Giving all what? Diligence. He says, don't you be lackadaisical about this. Uh, it's not just going to happen. You've got to apply yourself. I believe the, the key to avoiding indifference is making a commitment to grow in my Christian life. Uh, the defense against apathy is uh, making a commitment. I'm going to grow. I'm not going to be satisfied with what's done. I want to press on. I want to be uh, come closer, Lord. I want my faith stronger. I want my life pure. I want to press on. Um, I think scriptural living is the best defense against false teaching. Just keep my heart and life right with God. Keep my mind stayed on Christ. Keep my nose in the Word of God. Keep adding to my faith, and that will help me fight uh, false teaching. So one, he's challenging them in the first 16, 15 verses to make a commitment to ongoing spiritual growth. And then the last uh, 16 through 21, the last half of the chapter, uh, he, or he wants them to maintain their confidence in the Word of God. And we'll get to that in a future uh, message. We'll start picking up that, but he uh, talks about the Word of God. Listen, Satan has a lot of tools in his toolbox. I mean, he can hit us from all ends. He has all kinds of little tricks, all kinds of little gadgets. But I tell you, one of his most effective tools that Satan has is to get us start doubting the Word of God. Get us start questioning the Word of God. And the devil gets us in that position. Brother, he's got that wrench around our heart, and he can start cranking us down. That's what he did in Genesis chapter 3 with... With Eve, remember? Yea, hath God said? His first assault was on the Word of God. And Peter uh, addresses that here a little bit. Our confidence in this book right here. This book is the Word of God. It is without error. It is our guide. It's our authority. It's our hope. It's our assurance. And he, he addresses that. Now, notice our text is verse number 12. I kind of jumped right into preaching here. And Peter writing, he's, he, he makes this statement in verse 12. He says, Therefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. And I want to talk about this matter of being always in remembrance. Let's pray, and I'll, give these, I'll share these as quickly as I can with you. Father, bless now as we look at this brief little passage here, this little statement that Peter made under the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. I pray you would help us apply it to our lives. Fill me with your Spirit, Lord. I yield my will, present my body. Pray you'd speak through me in these next few minutes. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The first thing I notice in verse number 12 is Peter's concern for his duty. Notice what he says. He says, Therefore, wherefore, I will not be negligent. That word negligent has the idea of being careless, of taking it lightly, or failing to apply myself, negligence. How many people understand what it means to be negligent in something? Yeah. If somebody is negligent in the business world, it could be very costly. You have, maybe you hire someone, a financial advisor or something, and you hire them to help manage your retirement. And uh, you're trusting them, and they're negligent with what you've trusted them with. And lo and behold, you come to time of requirement, come to re the time of retirement, and uh, you get to that point, and lo and behold, this guy's been negligent, and your money's gone. Would you, would you agree with me? That'd be a costly, somebody be negligent in that area. Businesses 
have gone under uh, because of negligence in handling the finances and doing the business. I know of churches, not a lot. I'm thinking of one in particular in Michigan years ago. And uh, the people handling the money were very negligent and almost borderline criminal. And the church lost hundreds of thousands of dollars because of negligence. Now, I thank God for our money people. <laughs> Trust me, they are not negligent. Uh, they, they drive me nuts. And uh, you got a receipt for that? And, uh, but I'm, I want to choke her sometimes, but I'm so grateful for her. And so, but, um, uh, so being negligent in the financial area could be costly, could hurt people, right? Uh, how about being negligent in the medical realm? A negligent doctor, negligent surgeon. That would be not only costly, that could be deadly. That could be deadly. I read years ago, it was, we're probably 30, 40 years ago, I was in the news, uh, a surgeon in Germany, person had one lung, I guess it was cancer or something, they had to get that lung out of there. They went in and they took the wrong lung out. The person, the lung they had was cancer, and they took the good one out. They can't put it back. And it was basically a death sentence. When I worked at the hospital in Chattanooga, and, uh, they did a lot of um, the one room, operating room number nine, ironically. Uh, it was uh, there would do a lot of amputations, toe, foot, sometimes from the knee down. And uh, after I'd been there a well, while, I'd have to help out a little bit in there. But I noticed one thing they did. They were very, very diligent to make sure that the foot or the toe or the leg that they were operating on was marked very clearly, and it was confirmed by multiple people, yet that, yes, this is the correct one. You follow what I'm saying? They would put marks on it, make sure. Uh, negligence in the medical realm could be deadly. Uh, negligence in the family can be heartbreaking. Neglect to raise up our children to fear and admonition of the Lord. Neglect of maintaining that marriage and working hard. Keep that marriage what it ought to be. Brother, you, don't, you get negligent in your marriage. You get negligent in your family. It can absolutely crush your heart. Amen or not? So negligence. But you get negligence in the ministry. And it can have eternal consequences. Somebody doesn't hear the gospel clearly. A community is not reached. A country of 18 million people and only has two missionaries there. I tell you, people need the Lord. People need to know of Christ. People need to understand that book. And God has given to you and I, as part of the body of Christ, the responsibility of taking the message of that book and teaching it and propagating it around the world. And if we are negligent in that area, brother, it, the, 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 the results are eternal. Are you with me? we got to take that seriously. Every Sunday school teacher ought to take very, very seriously when they're teaching the Word of God. That I'm not negligent, just throw something together Saturday night, but have a good plan, a good lesson. And it's on my heart, and I want to communicate this. I don't want to be negligent. I prayed over that. Uh, working the bus routes, me behind the pulpit, Pastor Matt, others. We don't want to be negligent. Peter said, he says, I don't want to, 
I don't want to be negligent. He says, I will, therefore, I will not be negligent. He was concerned about carrying out his duty. Um, if you would, very quickly, I'd like for us to go there. Keep your place here, and I want to try and wind down here quick. But come back to Ezekiel, Old Testament Ezekiel, right after Jeremiah, right before Daniel. Ezekiel chapter 33. Now I want to begin reading in verse number 1. If you would, follow with me. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse number 1. Notice, he says, Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, this is the prophet Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of that land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchmen... If when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people. Then whoso heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He was warned. The watchman was not negligent. He did his job. He warned. This person didn't take heed to the warning. He's responsible. Verse number 5. Uh, no, verse number 6. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, would you agree that would be negligent? He blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among him, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. You see the importance, the seriousness of negligence? Deadliness. Then he goes on and he applies it spiritually. He's saying that's in a physical realm, military realm. He says now he applies it spiritually. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. And when I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thy hand. You're negligent in taking the message of God's word and sharing it with this world, and they die without Christ. They're gonna, that's their condition. But brother, you and I will be held responsible for our negligence. Verse 9, Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way and, uh, to turn from it, and he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. I think, God, uh, Ezekiel here, we see the importance of not being negligent in our witness. Not being negligent in our witness, uh, our ministry. And that's what Peter's saying. He says, I don't want to be negligent. I want to be faithful to my God. I want to, be, I want to carry out the duties God has given me. I think I can speak for every Sunday school teacher. We want to be the best Sunday school teacher we should be. Amen or not? We want to be faithful. Uh, preaching this from this pulpit. We want it to be true to the Word of God. We don't want to be negligent. So, uh, Peter is concerned about his duty. Number two, Peter is continually reminding them. Come back here. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent. I don't want to be careless about this. I don't want to be uh, reckless. I want to make sure I carry out my duty. To put you always in remembrance. To put you always, over and over and over, reminding you, bringing it back to your mind, bringing it back to your mind. 
Peter was not interested in coming up with some new teaching. Peter wasn't interested in any new doctrine. And by the way, I'm not interested in any new doctrines either. We've got what God has given us. I like a new car. Anybody here like a new car? Yeah, I like a new car. Ed's going to get one. Lord willing. Did your wife know that? Oh, okay, good. I like, I like getting a new car. Uh, I like getting new clothes. How many people here like to get new clothes? How many ladies like new shoes? New clothes, yeah. Yeah, new anything. They don't care. I like a new car. I like new clothes. Uh, I like, Brother Nate, I like a new fishing reel. <laughs> yeah, new lures, Brother Matt. Uh, and I like all that. But I tell you one thing I'm not interested in is any new doctrine. I'm not interested in any new teaching. Uh, we got the Word of God. Peter wasn't it. He says, I'm, I'm not here to give you some newfangled stuff. I'm here to remind you what God has already told us. Put you in remembrance. I think a major part of preaching is reminding people what God, uh, what God has already said to us. A lot, of, a lot of the preaching, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You've heard it. You've been saved any length of time. But the responsibility of the preacher isn't to come up with new ideas, but just keep reminding us. All continuing remembrance. Reminding us over and over and over. One thing, we try to remind people all the time. You ought to read your Bible every day. You ought to give out gospel tracts. You ought to do right. You ought to tell the truth. You ought to be faithful to church. You ought to love your spouse. You ought to, uh, you ought to uh, uh, give to the, as the Lord in, directs us and God instructs us. Just remembrance over Peter's continual reminders of them. We have a tendency to forget things that we should remember and remember things we ought to forget. I was going to say something about that, but I can't remember what it was. Israel did this. They'd forget what God had done for them. They'd go right back down the same road over and over. Nations do this. We forget the past. That's why we have special holidays. That's why we have July 4th, so we remember what took place as we declared our independence. We have Memorial Day to remember those that paid the price. I tell you, it's a dangerous, dangerous precedent that has been established. Several years ago, we start tearing down our memorials from our past. That's, that's nothing more than trying to change the very fundamentally change a nation when you get them to forget their past. Because we are what we are because of our past. And when a nation forgets, that nation's going down the road to doom. To doom. Uh, churches forget sometimes. They forget where they came from. They don't forget like we preached this morning. They forget what they are. Next thing you know, they start changing things and going down directions that God never intended the church to go and they become uh, uh, things that God never intended the church to be. And they forget where we came from. They forget the price that was paid. They forget the instructions we've been given in the Word of God. We have a tendency to forget Peter says, I want to put you continually in remembrance. Individuals forget. We make decisions for the Lord. Everything's going bad. I don't know how many people over the years, I don't know how many, they get a bad medical report. The doctor said, oh, it's not good. Now They'll show up at church, which is great. Don't misunderstand. I'm, I'm all for it. Come on. Come on. They pray. Seek the Lord. Get the church praying. We love on them. We pray with them. Sometimes we lead them to Christ. 
then that medical emergency is resolved. And all those decisions they made while they were scared, they forget all about it. And they go right back where they were. Am I right or wrong? I've been doing this long enough. I know I'm right. I've seen it. Sometimes we're guilty of that. Have a difficult time. Oh God, you get me out. It's called foxhole decisions. Oh God, you get me out of this and I'll live for you. God gets us out and then we forget all about living for Him. We forget all about it. Um, uh, I, think, I think sometimes in our marriage, we stood before the Word of God. We stood before God and witnesses. And we made the most sacred vows a person can make in life. There are no more sacred vows than the marriage vows. There are none. We make a, that vow that I make at my wedding is not to my spouse. That vow is to my God. And all these are witnesses. And we get out and things get a little rough. And we forgot all about those vows we made to our God. You know what the preacher's job is? It's to remind us. Wait a minute. Don't you forget. Don't you forget. Are you with me? Forgetful. We get forgetful. We get forgetful. Uh, so Peter says, I'm going to keep on reminding you. Uh, I'll put you always. I'm not going to be negligent. That's my responsibility. Keep reminding you and reminding you and reminding you. A major part of teaching and preaching at Mount Lake Independent Baptist Church is simply reminding us what God has instructed us to do. 1 Timothy 4.6, uh, Paul said to Timothy, he says, uh, he says, uh, uh, be a good minister. If you put the people in remembrance of these things, you'll be a good minister. You do a good job when you're reminding people what God has said and what we need to remember. Now, what he's reminding them here, look at verse 12. Uh, put you always in remembrance of, here's that word again, that phrase, these things. He's coming back to verse 5, 6, and 7. Your spiritual development. Add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance, temperance patience, patience godliness, godliness brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness charity. And he keeps coming back to that. You need to work on this, diligently apply these things. And then last of all, I notice their confirmation in truth. And this is what I mean by that. Look at verse 12. Though ye know them, and, and be established in the present truth. He's saying, listen, I know you know this. You've heard this before. You understand it. Uh, you, you, you're aware of, of what we're supposed to do to grow as a Christian. You know that. You're, uh, you're established in that truth. The word established means to be very strong in my understanding. I'm grounded. The issue facing these believers that Peter's writing is not ignorance. They knew what they needed to do to grow. They knew what they were supposed to do to develop their faith and be what God intends for them. They knew they were supposed to stay at it, not just do it for a while and then fade out, but just stay at it, stay at it, stay at it. The issue was not ignorance. Well, the issue was not that they didn't understand what spiritual growth was all about. The issue was forgetting. Forgetting what they knew. Losing interest. Oh, we... Get stirred up. We grow. It's new, excited. After a while, that excitement wears off. After a while, that novelty wears off. And after a while, we just kind of settle in and 
that diligence and growing in my faith and applying scriptural principles and submitting to the Lord, that begins, that diligence begins to die out and it becomes indifference. And Peter says, I'm reminding you, you get fired up again. You get back at it. You get back at it. Sometimes time is a great danger to spiritual growth. Are you listening, girls? Sometimes time is a great danger. And if we let it, time can steal our zeal and let it fade away. And we've got to stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. So let's ask the Lord. So here I'm doing. I want to do what Peter did. I want to remind Mount Lake Independent Baptist Church. Let's add to our faith. Let's, do, let's be virtuous. Let's do right. Let's do these things. Let's add to our faith, our virtue, knowledge. Let's add to knowledge, temperance, control ourselves, and patient. Be patient with people. And then live godly. And then learn to be kind. And then learn to love the way God loves unconditionally. Father, bless our invitation, I ask. And help us to heed these, this admonition from Peter. That don't let us get indifferent. This week, apply ourselves diligently to our spiritual growth, our spiritual development. Heads bowed, eyes closed. How many people would say, Preacher, I find myself kind of getting in a lull sometimes. And I just, just get through the motions, kind of lose it a little bit. Anybody get a witness there? Anybody? Sure. It's lifelong. Lifelong. We need to be reminded. Get back up. Get fired up again. Get stirred up. I wonder how many, pre some would say, Preacher, sometimes I forget. I did things. I made promises. And I forget. And I need God to keep reminding me where I'm at and what I am and what I need to do. Any like that, preacher, sometimes I just forget how forgiving God has been to me. And then I get bitter towards others. Sometimes I forget how good God's been. And I get selfish and complain. We forget. We need God to remind us. Father, bless our invitation, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.